You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. You can find the Needless Things Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can also find us at our home at needlessthingssite.com, where in addition to hosting the podcast, we have articles five days a week about all the cool stuff that you want to read about, toy reviews, movie reviews, retrospectives on filmmakers. We've got lots of writers now contributing, and we are on the verge of being uh, a post-anytime site, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, right now, we do kind of Monday through Friday at 11 a.m., Eastern time, new stuff goes up, but every once in a while, something extra will go up. Like uh, this past Wednesday, I put up a look at all of the exclusive, or not all of them, a lot of the exclusives that are available at San Diego Comic-Con, which is going on this weekend, if you're listening to this as soon as it posted. Uh, little extras will go up sometimes, but I really want to get to the site to the point where we just post whenever. As long as we've got a post a day, we're good to go, but I'd like to have more, you know, every once in a while, as we have. And I'll tell you right now, going into Dragon Con, there's a good chance that that is definitely going to happen, because it did last year, and it will again this year. Uh, San Diego Comic Con. We will have a podcast every year. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to the show, every year we do a podcast kind of recapping what went on at Comic-Con, focusing on the toys because that's our biggest interest here. But we also do a little bit of talking about the movie's mu- uh, music. Not, not a lot of music going on there. That's the one thing Comic-Con doesn't cover, but uh, comic books and, and whatever else. So we're actually going to have two Comic-Con recap episodes this year. Which brings me to my next point of why this episode and and other episodes are a little off uh, time-wise. We recorded today's episode about a month ago, right after Dusty Rhodes passed away. And he is the topic of today's episode. And I, I would have liked to get it up sooner, but other things popped up that seemed a little more time-sensitive... You know, how I roll around here is essentially I do things the way I want to do them. I am not overly beholden to uh, the way the Internet works, I guess, and and not out of any sort of pride, but just I don't have time to figure that shit out. Uh, Logistics and and the best times to post and, and all that sort of thing. The only thing I can really pay much attention to is current events and what I think might grab some some new listeners. Uh, and we've had things come up since then. And, and you know, uh, Dusty is not something I'm going to be crass like that about. Uh, this episode was going to go up when it was able to go up. I'm not trying to catch listeners by talking about Dusty Roads, but something like Arkham Knight 
I will definitely be crass about and try and post it as close to the release of that video game as possible. So we had our Arkham Knight episode and uh, a couple other things since then. So with Dusty, uh, one, I I didn't want it to feel like, oh, he's just putting this out there to try and capitalize on, on the attention around Dusty right now. And also, I want to take the time to make sure this one was good. I, I, I put a little more care into editing, uh, was a little more thoughtful about certain things, and just wanted this one to be to be right and to come out at what I felt like was the right time. So it's coming out now, and I'm really happy with the crew we had. I'm really happy with the episode, and I, I love Dusty. Uh, he was huge and we'll talk about that more in the interview portion uh before we get there there are a couple of things i want to talk about uh, the main one being san diego comic-con it is going on this weekend there are going to be a lot of big announcements we're going to be covering them you know armchair wise we, we don't have anybody from needless things out there because quite frankly uh we we're just that that's that's a little too much for us we're a small operation and I certainly don't have anybody footing my bills to fly across the country to go look at toys. So until I do, our our coverage of San Diego Comic-Con will be dependent upon others, which we will outline in the coming episodes, because I definitely want to give credit to the folks who are keeping us informed at home. And uh, myself and the crew of Needless Things or Regulars will be sharing our opinions and our outlook on the stuff that happened at San Diego Comic-Con. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And, and you have in the past, those of you that have heard it. At least that's what you tell me. So we're looking forward to that. Today, I don't have... Uh, our traditional traditional i've been doing it for like eight weeks now our musical selection is a little different today there's really only one way that we could lead into this discussion and here it is now to share our experiences with his career, how we first found him, and and to just talk about one of the honest-to-God treasures of professional wrestling. Uh, you guys were the top of my list for the panel. Uh, you know, we can only have so many people on for one episode of the Needless Things podcast, and uh, there, there are plenty of other people that I would have liked to added to this, but you guys were the ones that absolutely had to be on. So I'm going to run down the list of illuminaries, 
that we've got here. Uh, first of all, I want to welcome back to the show. It's been far too long, and that's my fault, but uh, Joe Crow of RevolutionsSF.com. Uh, Joe, it's wonderful to have you back on. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, of course, two weeks in a row now, how did this happen? Uh, formerly a Needless Things virgin and now an experienced pro, Sean R. Reed, Redbeard, Ranger, welcome back to the show. Uh, we don't get to discuss quite as fun a subject matter as we did last time. Our circumstances are not as joyous, but it's good to have you back, man. Yeah, I feel like I've gone from, uh, I went from Needless Things Virgin, and now I feel like a Needless Things Slut, and you just can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like the Needless Things STD. There's, like, no, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Uh, and burning in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> so inappropriate. It's the cold-blooded sausage maker, Daddy. Oh man, there we go. Uh, also been gone from the show too long, and once again, my fault because we were supposed to do a Ninja Turtle show and we never did. Uh, welcome back, the master of the danger kick, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Danger. <laughs> I love it when he does that. I love it when I do that. I love it when I have occasion to do that. It's good to have you back on the show, man. Uh, you know, and, and of course, same thing. Circumstances are a shame, but I'm glad to have you back on. I'm glad to be back. I wish it was under happier circumstances, but you know, let, let's celebrate Dusty tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's totally what we're here to do. And finally, uh, the man who is technically my podcast mentor and, uh, who I'm, uh, you know, just delighted to have back on. Want to have on as much as possible, uh, Mister Mister Noel Wood of uh, DorkDroppings dot com. How you doing? Uh, doing uh, doing well. Much better than I was on Friday when I got the. Or I guess it was Thursday when I got the news. Is it that was right? Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday afternoon. It, it was unfortunate because uh, my wife told me I, I got up. And she told me, and nowadays you hear so-and-so passed away and you don't know, you, you, you know, oh, it's the internet, you know, is this bullshit? Is this real? But pretty much immediately I, I saw the the message from WWE.com and knew that it was, and, uh, uh it was like a punch to the gut, uh, dusty, just like all of you guys, I'm sure, Dusty was very special to me. Uh, he's an incomparable talent, and, and he's one of the guys, you know, we've lost far too many people in the wrestling industry. But Dusty really, his his impact really can't even be compared. But we're going to talk about that plenty. Uh, what, uh, how did you, where were you guys when you found out? Uh, I was at the eye doctor, um waiting for my prescription to get filled and I was sitting there thumbing through my phone and I saw an update and then I had to go and just verify it on WWE.com. So that was kind of, uh, you know, kind of kicking in the face while I was just not expecting to find news like that. What about uh, Johnny? What were you doing? Yeah, I was uh, at my day job, if you will, and uh, hmm. Chris Robbins, a guy I met filming the Gorda, he tagged me, Matt Sells, and a few other guys on Facebook, and I had to jump to WWE.com as well and was forced to uh, accept it. Didn't like it, of course, and yeah. here we are. 
That's in, and, and that's the thing in, in this day and age, there's that, there's that sort of pause between when you hear it and when you find out it's legit. Yeah. That, that you, you know, you have that time where you, you're hurt, but also you still have some hope that this is another internet bit of nonsense and, and, and then you, you know, it comes crashing in. Uh, Joe, what, what were you up to at the time? I was at work and uh, doing my usual take a minute from from uh, a minute or six hours, you know, but, uh, <laughs> a break from work. And uh, I, 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 I saw it and I was I, and I, and I, uh, just a bummer, just a big bummer. And uh, Sean, what, what was going on with you? I was still reeling from the news about Christopher Lee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. you know I woke up that morning and I was, I was browsing my RSS feeds and going through and reading. I was like, oh damn, you know Christopher Lee, that sucks. And then I was on Facebook later on in the day and um, just getting updates from some of the other folks at some of the other sites I've worked with and you know talking about Christopher Lee stuff. And then I see the news in the in the little Facebook ticker thing about Dusty Rhodes, and I was like, what? This can't. It was just a double gut punch for all of like geekdom, really. That day, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. On on the um, American Sci-Fi Classics track, I like to uh, do panels about if somebody huge dies within the year, and that's not a good reason to do a panel. <laughs> I, that's, right. I, I hate that reason to do a panel. Uh, but we're doing one for Leonard Nimoy this year, and I, w- I was scheduling a Christopher Lee panel. In fact, I think that's what I was doing when uh, the Dusty Rhodes thing hit. What you know, we we know where we were, what we were doing. What was your what's your first memory of Dusty uh, Johnny Danger? Uh, my first memory, unlike a lot of people in the South, I actually grew up a fan of the WWF, not the NWA. Yeah. And I started watching wrestling somewhere between WrestleMania 5 and 6, so the first Dusty Rhodes I ever saw was the uh, dancing polka-dotted common man. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I knew he should have been something more. Even as a kid, I could tell this guy was something special. And we all know how Vince kind of made him a joke at first. And I had, my parents hated wrestling, but I had relatives that were big NWA fans. And when I would talk wrestling with them, you know, the the WWF was that cartoony kid crap. The real Dusty was in the NWA. And I had to wait until years later until I could finally see what they were talking about. And there certainly was a difference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I actually... uh... I, I had pretty much the same experience. My I was a WWF kid because I mean that was now you know you had your late night Sunday show that did the regional stuff like you yeah. had the blend of various things. But I mean I was a rock and wrestling kid. I grew up with the WWF and watching Dusty with Sapphire dancing around in the ring. Just being, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the guy. All I knew is when he came out, it was fun and it was electric and he had this connection. You know, he was a big fat guy, but everybody loved him. And, and he just had so much fun in the ring. He was so full of life and wonderful. And that was my first experience with Dusty. 
Uh, anybody else have a similar one, or maybe maybe the early NWA years? I was a fan of his uh, from the NWA years too. Um, I mean, I, I started off with WWF in like '85 was when I really got into it, and then um, you know got an NWA just probably a few months later, just when I discovered it. And Dusty, like you know, everybody was you know athletic and you know had these the kind of muscular bodies, and there was this big fat guy who danced around and was you know he talked funny, and I was like, I like this guy a lot, and you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instantly, kind of you know resonated with me, and uh, yeah, I was always a fan, no matter you know, no matter what he did, even in the polka dot years, I still loved him. Yeah, he. I mean, he. I, you know, we've all heard the various. We've all heard the story behind the polka dots that it was a thing. You know, it was a way for Vince to humiliate Dusty for booking his competition, and. and you know, Dusty himself has sort of smoothed that over in the intervening years, but it really doesn't matter because Dusty owned it. Oh, I yeah. mean, he took whatever that was, whether whether it was intended to be humiliation or not, he took it and went with it and was massively successful because he is one of the biggest things I remember about that era of WWF. What about uh, Joe and Sean? What about you guys? Yeah, he... Um, I mean, I... Saw him in the NWA like at five in the afternoon on Saturdays, a little bit. Like I, I think I saw I, I didn't have cable at the time, so all I was getting was that. And the WWF was this one. It was like a Coke and Pepsi thing. It was like uh, everybody loves Coke, but well, yeah, Pepsi's pretty good. And and so when I discovered the NWA, I thought, well, not everybody likes this, so I'm going to gravitate to this. Maybe like a Carson Letterman difference. I don't know. But when I when I got in the NWA and saw Dusty, who was the main hero guy, but totally the opposite of Hulk Hogan in appearance. And then as I'm as I'm as I'm watching and listening, I think, well, actually, he's the same as Hulk Hogan. They yeah. just that they they just they, they just look, look different. But um, that's and then um, because and like a lot of you guys, I'm sure when you get into something, I went after the literature. I, and by that I mean like the wrestling magazines. So I pursued and 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 I went out. I dug those up at every grocery store visit, to, and I found out everything about Dusty Rhodes then. So when he came into the WWF, that was amazing for me. I thought, wow, he's finally hit the big time. And then, well, you know, yeah, yeah I. Uh it was interesting for me because I, for first half of my life till about eighth grade, I lived in uh, Pennsylvania, and so we didn't get much Southern wrestling. I would catch, so we had like the Bruno San Martinos and all those guys from the Northeast Territories that were huge on like the local cable channels. And then if I stayed up late enough, I could occasionally get in um, WCCW. So I was like a huge. So when everybody else was really into rocking wrestling, I was like the biggest Von Eric mark in the world. Oh, wow. Sweet. And then, it, which was completely random. It was just, but it, it was what I was, you know, if I snuck in my room and was able to keep the TV quiet on a black and white television in the middle of the night, then moved down here and we could pick up all the WA and uh, WCW Saturday night stuff. And it quickly became quite clear that, like, so the Von Erichs ruled WCW, uh, Hogan and Macho were WWF, and 
everything else, the WCW side of things was it was Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes, and yeah. that both of those were absolute magic on the mic and would mm-hmm. cut those like. Yeah, I loved Macho Man's promos because they were just insane, but Dusty's promos, in a weird way, were equally insane. I, I posted this Facebook. They're ninety percent gibberish, but a hundred percent awesome. Well, the and, thing mm-hmm. the thing about Dusty, sense. his promos are nuts, but they're also completely intelligible and cogent. Right, like they, he they, has a point. <laughs> there's a yeah, there's a theme when he starts talking about some nonsense. He's like he's gonna walk you through. He's just sort of telling you a story in this very crazy way, but you will get from the beginning to the end of that story. Right. And at the end of it, you'll go, holy shit, I, that was amazing. I don't know what you just told me. You're like my crazy grandpa, and that was great. And do it again. <laughs> and you were absolutely on his side. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, it didn't matter what he said. He could say, run around and kick your dog, and you're like, that's the greatest thing in the world. Yes, yes Dusty I, Rhodes is right. I'm going to go kick my dog. I will immediately commence with the dog kicking. Because <laughs> exactly. Dusty made a rhyme, made some weird reference to some sort of jungle creature that I'm not entirely familiar with, and then mm-hmm. rhymed it with Bucket, and now it's time to kick some dogs. <laughs> and did it with White Guy Soul, and it was really weird, like... And to me, I thought, oh, this must just be what everybody in the South sounds like. Like, coming from inner city Pennsylvania when I moved down here and I'm watching wrestling, like, uh, I guess I should get used to this. If if only. <laughs> oh, can you imagine how yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I really wish we all sounded this way. Yeah. Can you... <laughs> like, boardroom meetings with us all doing Dusty Rhodes imitations. Or, or just walk, walking into Bojangles. Hey, how you doing? I'd like to give you a bucket of chicken right now. I'm going to throw some mashed potatoes on top of that. And for all you know, I'm going to stick a monkey in there too, brother. But whatever I give you, you're going to love it. Like, that would be great. But we, the South is going to let you down if you're if you're looking for, for tons and tons of Dusty. Because there's, there's yeah. nobody else like Dusty. Like, court, Coke boardroom meetings should be like that, to be perfectly honest. Absolutely. I mean, as a Except southern, like... Dusty would never have approved new Coke. <laughs> You get this crap out of here. <laughs> um, so he was a mellow yellow guy. We all know this. Well, that's yeah. You're <laughs> absolutely right. On. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it's uh, how wild is it that he was in commercials? Yeah, yeah. who was in commercials? That Dusty was right. I mean, that's uh, even. I, I'm trying to think right now. I'm sure Hogan did. Something in the midst of course, like at the height Slim of his Jim. career. Yes. He yeah, yeah. Macho Man did Slim Jim, but Hogan has cartoon right. Voice which by Brad Garrett, by the way. Yes, yes. And let me just mention, uh, since since we have mentioned rock and wrestling, because you can't talk about the '80s era without mentioning it. Uh, they do have rock and wrestling on the network now, and. I'm trying, like, my son is very sometimes into watching wrestling, sometimes not. Uh, he, he likes Neville a lot. He likes little guys who can fly. Uh, and I thought, oh, well, there's a freaking cartoon about wrestling. This will, this will engage him. He'll dig this. And we put it on, and about three minutes in, he left the room, and about five minutes in, I left the room. I couldn't even stick around long enough to turn it off. I just had to I, I had to get out of the room and just leave it running, and I was like, you know what? When it's over, I'll go back in there and turn the PlayStation off and burn it. Here's the thing. 
that show is why I am into wrestling yes. now. Yes. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, I loved that show when I was a kid, but it it is not standing up to the test of time. You watch oh, that. Oh, I imagine not. You watch that next to G.I. <laughs> Joe, and it's like something from another planet. Oh, I still have scads of those on VHS somewhere that I've them. never I've never watched just because I couldn't bring myself to it. Don't do it. Uh, oh, cherish that, cherish your incorrect memories. That <laughs> the VHS might be worth it though, just in case you have the commercials. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a very good <laughs> just, point. Just, like just fast forward through the cartoon because it's bad. It's real bad. Um, now, my question, as we're on a completely different subject here, do they yes. still have all the old music videos and stuff on the cartoon? No, no, no. All that, it's, no. it's all, yeah, it's... it's That's it's, unfortunate. Well, you know Ridiculous. what, I take, I take that back. I don't well, they know, have the live action we literally stuff. only like, watched, like, I watched maybe a total of seven minutes and couldn't take it anymore. I made it through the whole episode. Did including, you? Yeah, but I have a weird fetish for voice actors. Sure. Uh, like in another life, that's what I would love to do, and so I watched it just to see if I could pick out who the voices were and who well, they voiced today. Well, Brad Uncle, Garrett Uncle, was Hulk Hogan. Brad Garrett yes, was Hulk Brad Hogan. Garrett was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uncle Phil was Junkyard Dog. Yeah. Yep. Um, Joe, yeah. come on. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know you know this. I, I think I just assumed they all did their own voices. I don't know. <laughs> Those might be the only two really notable ones. I'm trying to think, I think out of them all, but we need to get back to Dusty. Yeah, we can a, do a whole other episode on rock and wrestling. We got to talk about Dusty. Um, I, as much as I loved Dusty in the WWF, my next exposure to Dusty was when I came around to WCW in '96. We started watching. Right before the infamous Bash at the Beach, and Dusty was, I think at the time, announcing. Uh, he, he, I'm trying to remember what the announce team was, because when Nitro started, it was Mongo, Bischoff. And Tanay. And Tanay. And, but I feel like Dusty with was With Zabisco on, coming in. Yeah, with Zabisco coming in for the second hour. That's right, that's right. Uh, and Mongo had his little dog that he would dress up in costumes, which I still find phenomenally wonderful and weird at the same time. Uh, so, but Dusty was around and, uh, he, he didn't, you know, he was still Dusty and every time he opened his mouth, it was a delight, but he joined the NWO and managed the outsiders and then kind of just faded away after that. Do you guys have specific dusty memories of that era of WCW at all? Or am I right? Was he just kind of there? Well, he was, was the um, I don't I don't know how much of Nitro he was on, but I feel like he was on um, WCW Saturday Night. Yes, more often, and that was that was very much I, I think prior to when I dropped in the mothership, baby. That exactly. That's where the catchphrases. That's where he just was killing it with the uh, going to the pay window. Right. That kind of thing. Right, and see that uh, that's I really wish I don't believe the network has Saturday Night on there. I think Nitro yeah. is it, right? Yep. So, well, Nitro in the pay per views. Mm. Uh, they didn't do what was the Thursday show? They didn't Thunder. do that one either. Thunder. Right, they haven't put Thunder up yet. I have to say yet because Nitro they only have up until the end of 
I think the end of '96. Okay. Do they own the they own the entire catalog though? Don't they of all yep. the shows? Yeah, yeah. They okay. own everything. It's just a matter of getting it, uh, like uploaded. Getting well, it you don't want to get it all up at one time. At the you know, it, it's it's probably better for business for them to stagger it anyway. But yet. <laughs> They never even had any of that stuff on uh, the old on-demand before the network. Like, the Saturday Night Shows and Thunder were never on there. It was just Nitro, pretty much. Right, right. Um, I guess for right now, too, it it makes sense to just have Nitro, because it it helps with the whole Monday Night War thing. Nobody's really paying attention. There's no huge... You have to be a massive WCW mark to... Be like, I'm going to join the network, and I just want to see Thursday Night Thunder. Uh, right, and that's the thing is they're yeah, not I just <laughs> they, they want a variety of content, you know. I just want to see David Flair's U.S. title matches. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! I'd rather see David Arquette's. Oh, it's on there. I know. That thing, where is that? I have to choose between David Flair and David Arquette. I think David Arquette was more enjoyable. I need to hear Mark Madden yelling, Spinneroony, Spinneroony. I never need to hear Mark Madden again <laughs> for the rest of my life. So, I need to see Tank Abbott beating the hell out of Mark Madden. So Dusty uh, Dusty was very prominent on the Saturday Night Show when the Saturday Night Show was the flagship show. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then from there, does is there any more WCW stuff you guys have to talk about? Because well, I, I don't. Like- he was the primary booker for a large part of that, wasn't he? Yes. Well, during during the Jim Crockett years, especially, but well, an- during that period, he didn't have as much of the you know the the, the political clout back in the in the nineties. But in the eighties, okay. he was he was the man. As a matter of fact, like you, if you go back, they showed the credits on those old Saturday Night shows, um, and you would see the name Virgil Runnels as like executive producer on all the shows, but. They put his name on there because fans at home didn't know that that's who you know right. Dusty Rhodes was right. in that at that time before the internet. And so well, he, I mean, he was pretty much running the show until Bischoff came along, wasn't he? Well, he got fired. The reason why he went to the WWF to begin with, he got fired. Um, was it the uh, just because of the, I think it was a blood angle? Yeah, um, yeah the Road Warriors spike yeah. in the eye. Yeah. Oh, that that got him fired. I did not know that. Yeah, and that's why he went. Um, to WWF initially, uh, and then he came back, and he was—I know he was doing some some writing. He never had the power in the '90s that he did back in the '80s uh, politically. What I recall from the transition uh, from that period was WWF, and you know, awesomeness with the polka dots. And really, the only criticism I had of that time was I just wanted him to win more because he kind of. He, he pretty much was just uh, the guy that got beat up by Ted DiBiase for months and months. <laughs> oh. And um, introduced uh, Dustin Rhodes had been had a, a few matches in WCW before he sat in the audience on Saturday Night's main event uh, and started that brief angle. But when Dusty came back to WCW, the rocket ship was attached to Dustin immediately. Yes, at that point. And that continued. Uh, 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 that, uh, for some reason, I'm stuck on Dustin wearing the eight ball leather jacket that uh, Putty wore on Sunday. Really? That's yes. That was, he came in the came into the ring with the eight ball on the back. Oh wow! I see. I have no recollection of that. 
Yeah, he was he was and he was in WWF for basically a cup of coffee before they left again and went back to the NWA. But uh... yeah, and poking around today because I, I wanted to do a, a little more. You know, I, I wanted to do as much dusty research as I could, and I, I just didn't have as much time as I wanted. But I saw that it went. You know, he he got Dustin kind of a a spot in WWF very briefly before he went back to WCW. The highlight of that time period was um, somehow uh, Dustin was feuding with the stud stable, Robert Fuller, the Nasty Boys, and they were going to do a War Games match. And um, Dusty had just been the, the announcer, and, uh, you know, the, the commentator, and then... He came into the ring, and in fact, a, a good buddy of mine posted the video of this on the, the ESO Pro Facebook page today. Uh, but it's he was looking for partners, and for some reason, he chose Arn Anderson, which is a ridiculous idea for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for anyone to trust Arn Anderson. Why? Why would you do it? Right. He's just going to break your arm again. <laughs> exactly. So, but Dustin Dustin uh, did that, and. Um, and then, sure enough, Arn turned on him, which was awesome. Uh, but then Dusty comes in and does this incredible speech about how the Rhodes is blood, the Rockefeller is blood. And um, it just lasted 10 minutes, and then they hugged, and I was crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did a, a steel cage match where they beat up Robert Fuller and the Masterpiece. It was terrific. Wow. Yeah, every, I mean, you know, Dusty has a, a certain amount of of reputation for well, obviously the Dusty finish. I mean, sure. that, that is a massive part of his legacy uh and the overuse of the Dusty finish and, you know, not all of his ideas were wonderful, no. but every everything where his direct presence was involved was entertaining. I mean, I mean at the very least you you were entranced anytime he had a microphone and really anytime he was doing anything because this is something that I didn't find out. Well, we'll get to that in a minute because first we have to discuss a little bit his TNA years. I don't know how how much did any of you guys follow TNA when they launched in two thousand two. Like, what kind of awareness did you have of them at the time? I watched them early on for for quite a while when I could when I had cable. Um, I kind of enjoyed it. I really like some of the young guys that they had, like Jay Lethal and uh, AJ Styles. Now, who I you, hadn't seen do other things. Were you starting with the ten dollar Wednesday pay per views, or were you starting with like Fox Sports South or whatever they were on? Uh, I think I was doing. I was probably pirating some of the pay per views. Okay, okay, and, uh, and then um, watching it on Fox Sports South when it was more regular. Because there's there's some discrepancy between what I remember and the information that's available online, and obviously all information available online is highly suspect, mm-hmm. but my memory is that, part because we did not watch the first TNA pay-per-view, which I regret, because it featured the ring incident where they had to basically spend the first 20 minutes of the show trashing the main event because they had to fix the ring. <laughs> um, the The Nazi brothers had to help fix the ring, Ron and Don Harris, who we oh, all gosh. remember fondly. Um, 
I, that's really mean of me to say because they ended up being pretty good workers and had a decent run in uh, WWE. But but anyway, uh, we didn't watch the first show. I'm not sure if we watched the second one, but definitely the third show we picked up. And I want to say part of the reason we were enticed into checking it out was the involvement of Dusty. We had heard that Dusty was was involved with the product and there was a little buzz around it, and I had, at the time, been playing... I don't remember the name of it, Noel. I'll bet you do. There was an, a, a wrestling booking game. Extreme Warfare Revenge. That's the one. You Do you guys know what this is? I do. No. You, okay, you, Johnny Danger, you do? I played it as well, yes. Okay, so... Extreme... Dang, I want to play this game now. Can we do that? Uh, I, I, there's bound to be an iteration of it still available. I, it's still around. You can, I, I actually will still play with the, the old version, the, you know, 13 year old version right, every right. once in a while now. It's crazy because there was a, there was a board game, uh, in the late 80s and early 90s called Superstar Wrestling, where you just, it was just dice and paper. And I had the NWA edition and Dusty's in that. And I played that for 10 years oh wow that's awesome i had to order it out of pro wrestling illustrated sure sure it it had uh i I want to revive this game somehow i think eventually but but dusty and and the whole nwa were in it and you just had uh, you you had two six-sided dice and you rolled and if you rolled a two you were screwed and the matches matches gonna last 45 minutes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's beautiful. See, and that's like Dungeons and Dragons wrestling. Well, and, exactly. And either, but, it, but you had to you had to hope desperately that you would roll like a ten or eleven, and then you would hit the bionic elbow, and then you might actually get to you know not stay up till three o'clock, obsessively trying to get somebody to win a belt. That's just um, my personal experience with it. And that's you know EWR was kind of an evolution of that. Um, I, it was a booking simulator, but you had a certain amount of control over how, like, you could, if I remember correctly, you could just, you know, book the matches, book the endings, and, and sort of skip through some things. And what I like to do, this is, I used to be insane about booking wrestling. I would use EWR to book shows, and then I would play the shows with WWF No Mercy on the Nintendo 64. Awesome. <laughs> And <laughs> EWR had basically every every wrestler in America was available to add to your roster. Um, so anyway, a lot of the wrestlers that were in EWR that I'd never heard of ended up being in TNA. So that and Dusty compelled us to watch TNA, and some of TNA was incredible. Some of TNA was not incredible. But it was something fresh and different from WWE, which at the time, you know, WCW had been gone for, for around a year. And WWE was, I think at the time, botching the invasion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So TNA, yeah. even though it wasn't all good, it was different. And it was offering young guys doing incredible things. I mean, you got to see AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, uh, granted, Jerry Lynn was not a young guy, but he was incredible. 
Uh, I, I had actually seen him. Here, here's a little, let me rewind a little bit. Um, I actually got to see Dusty wrestle live at an ECW TNN taping in 2000. Uh, he was in a bull rope match against Jack Victory, which granted I could have picked a better opponent to, yeah. to have this cherished memory. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't know a lot about ECW. Uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't one of the cool wrestling kids. Uh, I just was WCW and WWE or WWF at the time, followed them. And a buddy of mine was like, no, 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 that's bullshit. You need to watch ECW. And I, I'll be honest with you guys. ECW never got me. I, I, the ring work was not my favorite. I, I just, it, it never clicked with me, and and that's not to say that there wasn't some amazing talent involved and some amazing matches. I've gone back and watched stuff, and there's some great matches, but overall, the production is so bad, and the consistency is so bad, I just could never get into it. But we went to that event. Yoshihiro Tajiri wrestled Jerry Lynn, and that match is one of the most incredible live matches I've ever seen. And then the main event, I don't know if it was the main event or if it was a dark match, uh, but the the final match was Dusty Rhodes versus Jack Victory. I didn't know who the fuck Jack Victory was, and I didn't care, but when Dusty walked out to the ring with that bull rope, it was a bull rope match. Walked out to that ring with a bull rope, wearing jeans, wearing a button-up cowboy shirt with the sleeves cut off and a cowboy hat, and that place, all thousand of us, went fucking nuts because it's dusty roads and he came out and he talked into the mic about i don't know why he was fighting jack victory and i don't care i got to see dusty roads beat the shit out of somebody get busted open and then that was it the end of the ecw show really? um uh, seeing johnny uh, uh, seeing seeing dusty roads in person uh was kind of like seeing a johnny cash concert like wow this yes. is something amazing he was powerful yeah, he he well, over he. Oh, my feeling was that he overwhelmed the card, and I, I you know, I, in wrestling terms, that could be taken in a bad way. But to me, it was look at him, look at him, just radiating electricity in a way that none of these other guys are. And I'm not trying to shit on the ECW guys because in retrospect, it was a great card and I would love to see it again. But at the time I just didn't have an appreciation for it. Um, aside from, like I said, to Jerry and, and uh, Jerry Lynn, but I mean, Dusty was just powerful, man. Well, I used to see him back in the mid 1980s, back when they used to tape WCW um, just at the Turner Studios in a room that was about the size of my living room. Oh, not even center stage? Before center stage. The, oh. And the, the, there was a capacity of about 75 people in this little studio. And Dusty would come out there. And there were, I mean, that, there was this woman who would sit in the front row at every one of these tapings. And I was there probably two dozen times over the course of a couple of years. My dad and I would go, like, you know, once every couple months or so. And. This one would come with these signs that she had made for Dusty. I mean, she was there every time they were on a taping yeah, just yeah. to have a sign up for Dusty. Yeah. Um, and she hated, oh, she hated Ric Flair and she hated, <laughs> you know, she hated all the bad guys. But man, Dusty came out there and she would stand up and she didn't do a lot of standing. She was right, a right. rather large woman. She was, she was of Dusty's girth. Right. Um, but she would stand <laughs> up and she would hoot and holler. And I mean, Dusty would have that 
crowd in his hand. And it was 75 people, but you never knew it watching television. You would think that that was, you know, there were a thousand people in that room um, whenever somebody like that would come out, especially, I said, Dusty owned that place. Well, and it doesn't, that's the thing, is is it doesn't matter. And I mean, I, Johnny, you you could speak to this better than I could. I, you know, I've been in a wrestling ring. I've, I've performed in a ring in a very, very limited capacity. And it's weird because it really doesn't matter how many people are out there. It's just being in front of that audience. And I mean, granted, obviously bigger crowds are, are great and all, but I mean, would you agree that just being in that ring is magic and knowing that you have the connection with that audience is, there's nothing like it. No doubt. I mean, I've literally wrestled in front of five people and I've wrestled in front of 500 people. And as long as those people are enjoying what's going on, whether they're cheering me, booing me, as long as I'm giving them something, that, that that's amazing to me. It still blows my mind that, you know, there's kids that look up to me and I'm a hero to them. It's like, that that's the coolest feeling in the world. Like, I grew up wanting to do that and just to be able to say that that's something you can do. And at times I feel like I, that's one reason I love Dusty so much is, Neither one of us were the most athletic-looking guys. We we didn't look like the athlete of the day was supposed to look, but we have that emotional connection. Yes. And yes. as long as you've got that, you've got it made. I have seen little kids crying because of what was happening to you in the ring. Yes. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's power. And And the thing is, you know, Noel mentioned the lady, but PCW has that lady, too. Old Lucy, hell, yes. the, the very first show, I was a bad guy. She took a swing at me. <laughs> and, of it's course, I, I ran away from her. I fell down. It was great. Right. And that's that's what's so great is, and, and Dusty has that, I, I think, maybe to a greater extent than anybody. I don't know if it's his synapses fire faster than some people's. Or he just gets the human condition more, but he has that instant connection because when she took a swing at you, you knew the best thing I can do right now is run away, fall down, and look like a jackass. Indeed. That is going to be, that's going to get the biggest response out of everybody in this, in this facility right now. And Dusty had that just instant i mean he it, it it was just intuitive to him he didn't have to think about it he knew what to say what to do because th- this is uh this is where i wanted to get to i i was not aware of dusty's ring abilities until 9 years ago when wwe put out their incredible 3 disc set of of his career retrospective i knew dusty from the polka dots which he had fun, but I never really saw him getting down and dirty in the ring. I knew him as a booker. I knew him as a talker. But to get that three-disc set and to all of a sudden see these incredible matches where this big man is putting on clinics. I mean, he was no slouch in the ring. No matter what you might say about his size or anything else, he he worked and it was incredible, and he knew every second of what he was doing. The he was telling stories, and it yeah. was amazing to see, and it blew my mind because I had 
I, I, you know, I had read his book at that point, and there's a difference between reading about somebody talking about how great they are and actually seeing how great they are. And it's funny because I thought a lot of the book was hyperbole. I thought 80% of the book was hyperbole, and it turned out it was only about 40%. Uh, because <laughs> seeing those matches blew my mind, and it, and it made me, that's, I, you know, I, I dug Dusty before, but that's what made me love him. What? When did you guys, uh, you know, I, I know, I know some of you saw the NWA stuff, but what was what was the point? What was your holy shit Dusty moment? You know, I I watched Saturday Night just for the commentary because he amused the hell out of me. But I've all, I've always had an affinity for the great talkers like Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Mick Foley, Terry Funk, guys that can get a point across without screaming at you. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that Hard Times promo for the very first time. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, classic. And here's a guy that knew exactly the audience he was appealing to. He knew exactly what to say to get them in the palm of his hand. We're never going to see somebody like Dusty Rhodes again. John Cena, on top of the WWE, is divisive. Yes. You have half the crowd that hates him, maybe more than half the crowd that hates him. Depending on the situation. Depending on the situation. But if you were a wrestling fan in the late 70s, early 80s, you loved Dusty Rhodes. Your entire family loved Dusty Rhodes. You made it an event to sit around the TV and watch this man, and you believed everything he was going through was real. You believed he was fighting for you, and you fought for him. Well, it's crazy watching those old promos of his because it's like watching a rally. Yeah. Every yeah. every oh, yeah. single person in the arena is standing up and cheering and and rocking back and forth. He's he's like a, a revival almost. <laughs> yeah. He his I, I would say his ring psychology, but it's it's even bigger than that. It's he had this amazing amazing knack of just like you like everybody here has basically said the minute he set foot anywhere you just paid attention to him and you mm-hmm. didn't stop and and it wasn't because he was going to do some flippy twisty shit off the top rope and it wasn't because he was Hulk Hogan it was because he just had this magic and the story that he would tell in the ring and his crazy behavior and the the weird funny clothes and the and the pimp hats and the booty shake and stuff. And you're just going, I cannot take my eyes off of this guy. And then he would get on the mic and he would start talking. And, and, and yeah, it would be like, it's like he went to some backwoods Baptist church where he had one of those preachers that could just fire up the whole congregation without doing the fire and brimstone stuff. Yes. And he took that and said, I'm going to bring that into the wrestling ring. And, the man was so quick on his feet. Like, the only other people, the only other profession, I think, where you have really talented people that are that quick on their feet might be stand-up comedians. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and really, not even all stand-up comedians are that good. And I would dare say, I particularly today, because I feel like so much of what the guys say on the mic is so scripted, I don't know that there's anybody, even... Gold dust and and stardust who are doing their best to be kind of quick witted and follow in in their father's footsteps. They're not like there's nobody that today like I don't know that Dusty ever prepared his promos. They all sounded like they came 
right off the top of his mind. Yeah. And it was just, he was just able to pick it up and he could gauge what the audience was feeling and he could give that right back. And it was just, it was amazing. Like, his shaking his ass in the ring never seemed accidental. Like, mm-hmm. the timing of it, he knew, I'm going to hit on this beat and on this mark and the crowd's going to go nuts. Well, and it never seemed planned either. It was never, right. it was never like, a cat. He didn't have catchphrases. He didn't have, this is the thing I'm going to do tonight to get people to pop. He went out there and kind of felt the crowd, which is, you know, up, up through the Attitude Era, there were still guys doing that, and it's a lost art now. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, arguably, I'd say probably the person in the recent history that had that same sort of captivating ability would be The Rock, in my opinion. And, but even he had his catchphrases. See, I you don't. Know, I, I think Austin had his what's. And yeah, I think Austin is probably the closest because I, I feel like, I feel like The Rock went out with a plan in mind, and he did have the ability to improvise, and he did have the ability to sort of, sort of shoot from the hip a little bit. But I feel like Austin was the last real sort of old school, dusty type guy that went out there. With maybe this is the point I need to get across, but I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do it until I get out there and see what these people feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, well, and I think it says something that when the Attitude Era blew up, and basically that's when WWF, now WWE, took over the world. It was kind of I feel like Austin and a lot of those guys at the time they were coming more from that Dusty road style of off-the-cuff, read the crowd, work the crowd, heavy ring psychology kind of thing, more so than I would say, like, the Hogan, you know, kind yeah. of scripted, always on yes. my mark, always in character, you know, very kind of polished and cut kind of thing. And it's almost a little... I, I think, honestly, that's why I like watching um, uh, NXT so much because I feel like NXT you can feel Dusty's fingerprints all over that it feels Definitely. like what wrestling has kind of always felt like in spite of the fact that it's new talents and new styles and new people where WWE just feels it's still too polished and I think that's yeah. why people hate on Cena because he's a super polished like he's so two dimensional baby face in that Hulk Hogan mold that everybody got bored of once rock and wrestling went away and but to cena's credit uh and and i don't want to get off on a cena tangent uh his his run with the u.s title he has been proving himself as an entirely different kind of performer oh oh yeah absolutely and his his willingness to put over these younger guys is you know and give them the rub is admirable fantastic um so dusty oh go ahead I was going to say one thing that I think is kind of a testament to how hugely popular Dusty was at the time. Um, I don't know if anybody ever read the old like Bill After, Stu Sachs wrestling magazines, like Pro Wrestling yeah, Illustrated. Exactly. Rest- well, there was an article, there was a column by a guy named Eddie Elner, who was actually one of the only real people who wrote for that news, but most yeah. of them were just pseudonyms. And Eddie <laughs> Elner was like, he was the voice of the bad guy, and he was the guy who always liked he all the, the- He was the heel runner. Yeah, yeah. yes. But, like, the guys who, who went after, like, he didn't go after Hulk Hogan that often. He went after, like, he went after Andre the Giant. He called him Andre the Giant Idiot. He called Barry Wyndham a pandering twit. But, like, <laughs> Dusty Rhodes 
was the one that he was always his biggest target. And I always like, and I didn't quite understand that before I got into the NWA and really understood Dusty Rhodes. It's like, why isn't he going after Hulk Hogan? He hates all the good guys. Hulk right. Hogan's the biggest good guy. But like, yes, he like he had an intense hatred for Dusty Rhodes and was like, and I think that's part of the reason why I kind of latched on to Dusty was just because like, well, this guy's, you know, he hates him so much. There must be something to this guy. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's almost like he didn't want to put Hogan over. Probably. Like, he, he, <laughs> he hated Dusty in a respectful way. Or or was he just straight up a, a heel guy who just hated baby faces? He was just writing as a heel that, right. you know. Right, but he, had a, he basically was writing as a character. Yes. Yeah, so he didn't want to give Hogan the time of day, but he was more than willing to put Dusty over with his hatred. Exactly. And I think Dusty's definitely more sympathetic than Hogan, and, and don't get oh, me wrong, yeah. Hulk Hogan is my all-time favorite wrestler, but Hulk Hogan was a real-life superhero. You mm-hmm. knew you're not going to grow up to be Hulk Hogan. Right. But Dusty himself, he called himself the common man. He was the American dream. This is what a regular guy can do if he works hard. Wait, yeah. are you saying if I say my prayers and eat my vitamins? Stop it. Oh, brother. <laughs> Stop. Um, yeah, and that's a very, very good point because uh, – and, and this kind of bleeds into to uh, what we discussed on the last episode about 80s pop culture icons is that mystique uh, and the magic of people like Hulk Hogan that none of us ever believed we could be Hulk Hogan. He was a god. He was an Adonis. He, he walked among the mortals. And no matter what happened to Hogan, I, the only time I think I was ever truly concerned about Hulk Hogan was when King Kong Bundy injured him, which led to the cage match at one of the WrestleMania 2. WrestleMania 2. Yeah. That's the only time I was ever truly concerned about Hogan. All the rest of the time, I knew he was going to be fine because he, he was Superman. Dusty Rhodes... However, like you said, he's the common man. He could be any one of us. Any of us could work hard, learn to freaking put words together, and be dusty. Like, he was a guy you could relate to. He was a man of the people. And that there's something more, or I guess, magical in a different way. I don't want well, to say... It's like John Cena today versus Daniel Bryan. And it's yes. the reason why Daniel Bryan yes. is so immensely popular with everybody, you know, despite the fact that they want John Cena to be that guy. And yeah. sure, he's huge with a segment of the crowd, but, you know, it's, it's always going to be divisive with him like it was with Hogan in that day. Right. right. That, that's a really good comparison um, because Daniel Bryan, I mean, he, he's kind of scraggly beard and he's kind of a, a little guy. That's, that's the exact comparison of the Hogan Dusty Rhodes. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, that, that really was. Um, well, we're we're definitely closing in here. I want to get some final thoughts from you guys. We know Dusty has has been very successful uh, in his last several years with WWE. He signed his Legends contract and then appeared on the absolutely incredible Roundtable um, Legends mm-hmm. show hosted by Jim Ross. Which, they should have made more of those. Oh, they should have. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's, those are fantastic. It's on the network, and are they all on okay. there. I need to watch more. Yeah, of them. they're all on there, and got, got people listening. 
pay $10, get the network for one month, or get it for free for a month since they give it to new pe- new subscribers for free all the time. Subscribe to it free for a month. Watch all of those Legends Roundtables. They're the best storytelling I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Dusty's on a lot of them. Uh, they, and they've just got tons and tons of different legends on there telling stories about reflecting on various topics, telling stories about, you know, the yesteryear of wrestling. It's incredible. It's a beautiful show. Um, so Dusty contributed to that and they realized they recognized his mind and they hired him on as a creative consultant. And that's what he's been doing for the last however many years. Uh, he was, a, he had a big hand in the genesis of NXT. Uh, as you can see from looking at the past uh, past of NXT, I mean, he's out there with Seth Rollins when he won the NXT title. Uh, Dusty had a big hand in that. And, of course, he has his legacy in Dustin and Cody, which Dustin, you know, I, I don't know what it takes to make a Hall of Famer exactly. Um, you know, I, I don't know that D- Gold Dust goes into the Hall of Fame, but... He's certainly got his own legacy that he's created for himself. Uh, Cody, I think, will find his path. I, I, I hate the term nothing but potential because that suggests that. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that suggests. Really right. At some point, that suggests nothing. Right, exactly. I don't like <laughs> that term. Um, but and I, I've always been high on Cody because you knew it. Because when there was when the legacy was going on, I always said Cody's going to be the star and not Ted DiBiase. Right. And who's still wrestling in you know 2015? And you were right. I thought at the time I thought DiBiase was the guy, and I was so badly wrong. Uh, but you, what do you guys have any final thoughts about Dusty? Well, I will. I will say this because um, you know there's been a lot of major wrestling deaths in the last few years, not just. Guys who were, you know, tragic while they were still active, but, you know, guys like Randy Savage, um, Ultimate Warrior in the last few years, and those were pretty powerful. But Dusty was a lot more powerful because I had just seen him on TV. Like, not yeah. just accepting yeah. a Hall of Fame, um, or, you know, in old footage, but he was part of a pretty major angle just three months ago. Yeah. 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 Was, so you know, to me, he was still an active. You know, he's he's still an active member of the roster, even though you know you only saw him every once in a while, and they trot him out for the legend segments and stuff like that. Well, and, and so, all of all of us here were also very aware of his contributions behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The last major thing he did, you, uh, what, what you were talking about, he had this great uh, back and forth with Stephanie McMahon in the ring, where he shushed her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and oh my gosh, how great was that? Because he just held his finger up, and she mm. she she stopped talking. Because he's he's known her since she was a baby. <laughs> That's right. Because he actually has. <laughs> but um, they that that was terrific. A few years earlier than that um, was, I think, a, a a highlight dusty moment for me. Um, they did like maybe it was the raw fifteenth anniversary or the 20th anniversary or the 2000th episode or 1000 whatever one of those big things sure they brought in a bunch of the old the 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 the, the legends and did an in-ring segment where they talked and they were interrupted by Rob Conway oh yes yes i want to watch this segment again right now because they turned it over to Dusty Rhodes and Dusty basically cussed Rob Conway up one side and down the other and it was amazing. 
and then I he thought, turned it over to the the other wrestlers, and they just beat the crap out of him, and they finished it off with a dusty elbow, and then I think Kevin Von Erich put the iron claw on the guy. So I, I was, for a second thought you were going to talk about the segment that was backstage, and it was one of those wacky segments on one of those anniversary shows where oh yeah, I remember it involved Oksana and the Rhodes, both of the Rhodes kids, and just. Ron Simmons yelling damn at the end, but I just yeah. remember Dusty Rhodes owning that segment. Oh, of course. Yeah. Every, everything he did <laughs> was, was tremendous. And, but, uh, the, the, the stuff with, uh, the most recent stuff with Dustin and Cody and with the shield. Was yeah. Good stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. that's how I want to remember him. I think he went out like that. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing is, our memories of him are him working and him. The last person to receive the dusty elbow was Dean Ambrose. Um, in, in that shield roads feud. Uh, and we'll, we'll always get to remember dusty working. We, we don't, you know, he didn't get sickly at the end. We didn't have to watch him deteriorate. He was always powerful and present. Uh, Johnny, Sean, what, what about you guys? Well, that you kind of hit on what I was going to say. With all of the, the sort of tragic deaths that we've had in wrestling, I, in a weird way, it was kind of it, it, there was a weird comfort to the fact that it's like, okay, Dusty's health wasn't the greatest, but he was also sixty nine years old. He had lived a really full, seemingly happy life. Mm-hmm. And so, in a strange way, it's like, oh, he kind of, it's nice that when he went, he seemingly just kind of went of natural causes that could have happened to any other 69-year-old. Like, it wasn't just another tragic wrestling death. Well, and again, much like Christopher Lee, it wasn't tragic, it was sad. Yes, exactly, exactly. It was just a death that you could say, man, I wish that didn't happen. You know, it was bound to happen eventually, and at least it happened in a way where, you know what? Yeah, this could have happened to any other guy his age at any time. It could have happened to just... Ironically, he went out like the common man. Yeah. (laughs) And for a guy who who was as big as he was for that long, to make it to that age is actually, you know, pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, apparently he had a bout with stomach cancer and everything else, and it's like... Yeah, a few years ago. Um you know, so it, it was nice to just be like, oh, he was a wrestler that just happened to die, not right. something, not any of these other tragic deaths. No, that... no horror attached to it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Johnny, final Dusty thoughts? That, that's the beauty of it, that Dusty kept working because he wanted to. Mm-hmm. He wasn't one of those guys that squandered their fortune and has no choice but to keep wrestling for 50 bucks with, you know a broken hip and no knees left because he has no other skills. He doesn't know what to do with his life. He yeah. wasn't Andy the Ram. Exactly. And I mean, if you, if you need to look for Dusty's influence, look, look no further than Ric Flair, who said when he started wrestling, he wanted to call himself ramblin' Ricky Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted yeah. Dusty Rhodes. When I was 18 years old, I foolishly chose not to go to college because I was going to move up to Philly and join ECW. And if that didn't work, I was going to go to Japan. 
what I wanted to do is I had I had short blonde hair then like Dustin had in the nineties. Combining my love for Jake the Snake and Dusty Rhodes, I was gonna call myself the American Nightmare Damien Rhodes. Oh wow. Indielithic nice. as shit, right? That's great. <laughs> right. <laughs> then in 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 two thousand ninety nine, somewhere around there, the Atlanta Thrashers become a thing and their first goalie was named Damien Rhodes. Ah, ah. So the hell with that, Johnny Danger was born. But to this day, if I'm if I'm working somebody new and they ask me, well, what's your gimmick? What's your deal? Like I'm I'm a modern day Dusty Rhodes. I'm just one of the people. I'm living a dream. Yeah. And if I can inspire anybody a fraction of what Dusty did, then I'm happy. And, and that's beautiful, and that very much comes across in your character. Uh, you, you definitely have have encapsulated that. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Dusty. Uh, uh, beyond a legend, I, I, I really think he, he transcends the definition of legend. His impact on the business will be felt uh, really forever. No, nobody else has done more in this business. I speculated earlier that, that maybe uh, Vince is probably the most influential person in the history of the business. Uh, Bischoff is up there. Dusty is, is is really close. There could be a lot of debate, but uh, there will never be another American dream. Amen. Amen. And now we're at the point in the show uh, where everybody tells us where you can find us online, which seems like kind of an anticlimax after talking about Dusty, but I want to do it because I appreciate you guys coming on and you deserve some attention. Noel, where can we find you online? You can find me at dorkdroppings.com out there on the internet. And if I could do another special plug right now, um, yeah. uh, there is a fundraiser uh, right now that we're doing for the USO. This is uh, a, uh, it's the costuming group I'm a part of. Um, it's the Girls of the Finest. Um, look for, it's on Indiegogo, uh, but just look up Girls of the Finest 2016 calendar. Um, make a donation of $25, you get a copy of the calendar, a physical copy. Um, 50 you get a patch and the calendar. 75 you get a patch, a calendar, and a T-shirt. Um, or pledge as much as you want. You can actually get, like, um, you can get lunch with my girlfriend, actually, uh, as part of one of the perks. <laughs> if you really want to pledge, like, $450. So uh, just, you know, but it's, it's for a great cause. It's for the USO. Um, I'm very, very proud to be part of a group that got... Um, to be sponsored by the USO, and so I wanted to put that out there as well. But uh, yes, that's Girls of the Finest on Indiegogo. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys are doing some really cool stuff. I, I highly, I, I totally support and respect what you're doing, and everybody should go check that out. Johnny Danger, where can we follow you online? Uh, you can find me at facebook.com slash dangerkick. Uh, I've got a Twitter that I don't use. It's johnnydanger330. <laughs> And I'd like to encourage everyone to come out to Porterdale, Georgia, the first and third Saturday of every month to see me and everyone else that wrestles for Platinum Championship Wrestling. In all honesty, I'm not just saying, I would say this whether you were here or not, PCW is near and dear to my heart, easily my favorite wrestling company uh, that, that I've had the opportunity to witness. You guys, everything you do is very heartfelt, very real, and uh, done out of a love of professional wrestling, which you cannot say for really a lot of the indie wrestling out there. So I highly encourage everybody to check out PCW. And you can find Platinum Championship Wrestling on Facebook as well. 
Mr. Sean, where can we find you online? Oh, I am all over the interwebs, uh, mostly on Twitter at Torch Code Lab. Uh, that's mostly where I talk about comic book things or software development, which is my day job. Um, I've got writings over at comicsbulletin.com, and if you're interested in old reviews of television shows, um, <laughs> uh, last season of Arrow and uh, season two of Orphan Black, you can go to Psycho Drive-In, and I've got some stuff up there. And then eventually I'll get back to writing at Death Paw, uh, D-E-T-H, Death Like Mega. and um, The best yeah. kind. The best <laughs> kind of death, really. By the way... As an aside, can I just mention that tonight on the pay-per-view, Dolph, Dolph Ziggler was wearing a uh, his jacket with all the patches on it with a Megadeth patch that was spelled incorrectly. Sorry, what? I had what? to point that. What? Yes, oh it had an no, M E G A D A D E A T H. What? Who does yeah. that? I had to what pause poser. and rewind and 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 yeah, but sorry, I completely did not mean to derail you. But no, that that's just weird. popped into my head, and I and it just made me seethe with anger. That is worthy of mention. We are all five of us hereby calling out Mister Ziggles to depend to defend his erroneous <laughs> patch. Mr. Ziggles, I mean, you come on the Needless Things podcast and explain your damn self. You. I'm calling him out for stealing Matt Sell's vest. Well, yeah. I thought he was a, a bigger fan of Pantora. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's Pantene. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, Mr. Joe Crow, where can we find you online? Your website, your Twitter, everything. Tell us everything. RevolutionSF.com, where uh, comedy and commentary and stuff about sci-fi movies and tv and books and um every uh labor day weekend i'm the host of the uh american sci-fi classics track the best track ever uh, uh, thank you um phantom and noel and johnny and whoever else wants to come and, and we're gonna have fun all weekend and uh talk about um everything from 10 years ago and before just as an enticement, last year, Johnny Danger read live and in person a sexy Hulk Hogan story. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that happens. I was Amazing. one of the highlights of my Dragon Con. <laughs> Amazing. We're going we're gonna, to uh, do, I, I don't know, that. I think the bar has been set, uh, but uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to do more fun stuff much like that this year. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about uh, Dusty. Very special to each and every one of us. Uh, somebody that... What was that? I was thanking you for letting us come on and, and share our yes. stories. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm thrilled you guys could be here. And uh, we will have you all on again sooner than later. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I actually got a little choked up while editing that one. I was doing the music at the beginning, which please pardon my substandard music editing skills. I just thought that little mixture would be a neat thing to do. But uh, when Dream's music started playing, I got a little misty and choked up. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I, I hope you found it to be a fitting tribute to Dusty Rhodes. We did a segment that I decided not to include where we all did our Dusty impersonations at the end 
and I, I've for years have been doing filthy, dusty road stories. Not about Dusty, but Dusty telling filthy stories about other wrestlers. And I just, you know, everybody kind of had fun with it, and, and it just, in the grand scheme, didn't fit the tone of what we were going for. Uh, I, you know, I don't think they were overly, di- or mine was, was the biggest, uh, question mark. I, it wasn't overly disrespectful, but it just didn't feel right to end a tribute episode in that way. So I've saved them. Maybe they'll go on somewhere later, a little bonus feature or something. I don't know, but it just didn't seem quite right for this one. And, uh, of course, you can find Needless Things Podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, at NeedlessThingsSite.com. And we are a proud part of the ESO Network, which you can find at ESOPodcast.com. So stream it, share it. If there's anything you want to hear about, join the Needless Things Facebook group, Needless Things Podcast. Uh, let us know what you want to hear or shoot me an email, phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. If there's something you want to talk about, something you want to hear about, let us know. We aim to please. Uh, that's all I got for this week. We'll be back next week with San Diego Comic-Con stuff. I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. <laughs>